When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh is in his Soho House office. Boydo. And we're joined by hey. podcast regular Chocolate Magnate and all-round legend Ollie Shorts. Hello, hello. Great hello. to be here. Excellent. Thanks for coming. It's a big, it's a big celebration, a celebratory, I'll try that again. It's a big celebratory podcast this week, I think, because obviously over the weekend, there was an absolutely massive triumph that we cannot, we can talk about for hours on end. We've only got limited time today, obviously, but I did correctly predict a 3-0 victory for Arsenal in the last podcast, Josh. Did I not? You did, boys, and I saw you had some messages of congratulation on social yeah. media for your yeah. predictions, so you should feel uh, rightfully proud. And we all should, really, which I'm sure we'll come on to. And, Ollie, you went to the game. It was a, a rare one that um, I wasn't with you at, sadly. Um, but I, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, I hope it was, we'll be back on the road together very soon. It was a great away day. And you know what? We always want those away days when you... Uh, when you comfortably win and there's not much pressure um, going into the final 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So it was lovely. You can just sing songs about Saliba. It seemed to be what was going on. Well, that song was started uh, probably about 15 minutes before the halftime whistle. Um, And it just went on and on and on and on, Um, which was great because everyone was just in a great mood. And that's what you want. Um, You know, three wins from three. We were cruising and everything was just going our way. And there was, yeah, lots of new songs and the atmosphere around the ground, as you know, from the Leicester game and also uh, Palace um, on, the, on the start of the season. You know, it, it's, it's continued into Bournemouth and it's fantastic. How did you get there? Because there was a train strike, wasn't there? So what did you, how did you manage to get all the way to Bournemouth? I, Ricky, regular of the podcast, was an yeah. absolute hero. He drove in 
his lovely electric vehicle, which didn't quite get us all the way to Bournemouth. So we had to stop off in a lovely place called Sandy Balls. To, um, <laughs> you are kidding me. Not, I, wish, I wish I was. Um, to get a little bit of electricity back into the car um, <laughs> to get us that final few miles to, to Bournemouth. Fantastic. Did you say, did you say one minute? Did you say the um, the Saliba chant started? Obviously, everyone everyone's heard this is to the to the tune of tequila. That yeah, really no, it started on a, at about half an hour into the game. Well, so before he scored, when did he score? He scored it on the that goal fifty fourth minute. So before he scored that goal, it, yeah, it was uh, literally for fifteen minutes before wow. the halftime whistle. It was, I mean, it was. You, you kind of think, when's it going to stop? And it literally stopped when the halftime whistle went. Because it's quite interesting that the, 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 the supporters have taken him to their hearts, to our hearts, so quickly, um, even before that fucking goal, which is one of the greatest goals a central defender surely has ever scored. Josh? No, but also the reaction in the stadium when he scored that own goal was so unusual. Yeah. Um, but I think that comes from one general goodwill around the team. But he was so impressive in that first game at Crystal Palace. A good game against Leicester, barring you know uh, an own goal, an unfortunate well, an own goal that he shouldn't have scored. If we're if we're honest, and the fact that we were you know tuning it up, and I think it's a nice tune. Ollie, are you going to give us a rendition because you were there? I don't think I need to. I really don't think I need to. And nor oh, do I want to because it's be literally not gone out of my head. And when you go on Twitter and when you go on TikTok, it's all you seem to to see. And I'm sure people would quite like to forget it until uh, 5.30 on Saturday. It's pretty miraculous, though, the, 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 um, that song, the, the, the kind of the effect that it had, because I feel like up until this game, that Saliba, as brilliant as he's been, apart from that own goal, um, but he had a brilliant debut and they had an almost as good a second game apart from their goals, we keep saying. But he looks he looks fucking miserable. His general like resting face is is fair, is like almost like pompously, you know, um sad in a way. And yet, I mean, with with the with that song, with that incessant song, and with his with that goal and the celebrations at the end, he looked so happy. I've never seen that expression on his face. I think it might be the first time he's ever been this happy in his life. And um, certainly the first time he smiled that much in his entire existence. It's incredible to see. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, well, I don't think he's necessarily endeared himself to the Arsenal supporters with some of the comments that he made during his time at Marseille and when he returned from loan in the summer. It's kind of, you know, if I was to read into it, it says, well, I'm actually quite happy just to go back to to Marseille and I kind of wouldn't mind going back to Marseille because I had a great time and thankfully you know he's got straight into the first 11 and he's played three very good games scored a tremendous goal and at the end of the game he just had the it was like he was trying so hard not to smile but he couldn't He couldn't help it. And all the Arsenal players were kind of surrounding him, taking in that moment of this brand new song, a 3-0 win, top of the table. Nothing can seamlessly go wrong, um, you know, for the next few days until we somehow may manage to cock it up against Fulham, potentially. Who knows? Steady, but for steady, now, easy. for now, yeah, we've got to, now, we've got to enjoy now. that that moment. Yeah. I, my favourite thing of the whole game, even more than the actual goal, 
the the brilliant goal even more than Jesus's amazing runs and you know twists and turns and that goal that he scored that was cruelly disallowed um was Sinjenko's reaction to to Saliba's goal when he had his head in his hands did you see that live when you're watching the game there because obviously there's a lot to take in isn't there when you score a goal you're like well who scored first of all first of all I thought it must have been Xhaka I was like I was confused as to how Saliba managed to get in that position to score that goal like that I thought well Xhaka scored a very good and I might get with Saliba and then did you see just behind him you know 10 feet behind him um Zinchenko putting his head in his hands and uh, at the bewilderment that this guy has scored one of the greatest goals yeah, it, it was a very odd one. So I, I was, I was, as I mentioned, I was with Ricky. I was also with my dad, and um, we, we were, uh, we, all three of us were watching what was going on with Zinchenko. We didn't quite understand why he was the only one not celebrating. It seemed like he was kind of upset with something at <laughs> the time because they didn't show. They hadn't. I, I've, I've seen back the replays, and they don't really show how long he kind of looked bewildered really um yeah. for and it was it was a long period of time and we were just like is he annoyed with someone has he done something that he's not happy with and then as it progressively went on you know those few seconds we realized it was just more in that amazement of what he's seeing because probably on the training pitch that's going you know yards over the bar and yeah. you know it's just like the cleanest of strikes top bins and he's never going to score a goal quite like that ever again and but it was great it, the reaction of, of Zinchenko and I was pleased that everyone sort of the the sky cameras and afterwards you know went to Zinchenko and, and sort of showed his reaction yeah. because it was it was quite peculiar to watch live yeah. you weren't quite sure what was going on but it was yeah brilliant it was fantastic wasn't it Josh and um Zinchenko, Zinchenko, I think has been like was even more of a revelation in this game than he has been in the first two games. Like just his whole, just as a complete performance. Like he ends up in the most. He's ostensibly playing at left back, but he's all over the place. Like we know, like he plays in midfield for his country, and you know um, all of that. But he's just everywhere, and just like unbelievable control um, defensively. Fantastic. I mean, obviously, it's only Bournemouth. Bournemouth were absolutely terrible. We have to acknowledge that fact, don't we? But we dominated them, you know, from start to finish. And he was part, I think he was key to that whole domination. He was. I think Martin Keown, excellent pundit, who yes. spoke about Zinchenko. Friend of Josh Landy, Martin Client Keown. and friend. Client and he, friend. He's, but he, he picked out Zinchenko and rightly so. He's unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing to think a couple of years ago when Kieran Tierney was the most loved Arsenal player, potentially, that there would be someone coming in such a short space of time where you now look at it and go, oh, actually, Zinchenko seems to be a, you know, a slight level above him where you would struggle to see where Tierney's going to get sort of opportunities to to play at left-back, you know, in, in the Premier League side. Oli's so, shaking his head. Oli's shaking his head. Sorry, I'll let Oli come in. Why are you so unsure, Oli? I'm not unsure, but I don't think he's at a level above Tierney. I think you're being very harsh on Tierney, and I think we do we 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 forget. It's very easy to get uh, take carried away a little bit with um, the performances of the last two no. games. No, I'm not. He I'm not. I'm not being overly critical got, of Tierney. Scored. I love Tierney, solid left back, but Zinchenko glides around the pitch with such 
elegance and his his distribution of the ball and you know his his work in the final third he's just he's so much more efficient the stat they pulled up on on match of a day about the win percentage of did you see this Boyd of yeah I mean that's incredible I, I wouldn't have guessed that after, why if would I, you have? Yeah, if I was Tierney, Ollie, I would be. I would be worried right now. I, I think. I, I don't deny that he would be worried, but I, I per, personally, if it was me, I and it's it's fortunate Tierney's out injured, um, and he's coming back. So Zinchenko automatically, you know, get, takes that place. You know, at the, the starting place against Palace, he he didn't look convincing for me at Palace. He made Jordan Ayew look very very good. There was a few times when he, re, he absolutely schooled him and and I think that is a slight concern on that defensive side and I think Tierney offers a better defensive uh, player than Zinchenko but what Zinchenko offers um, you know going forwards in the way that he kind of links with Xhaka and you know he goes into midfield Xhaka goes into left back you know that's something that that Tierney can't do so I think it's it's a great it's a great problem to have Um, but if it was me I'd put Tierney back in. It was interesting that we ended. Sorry, Josh. Ended at the end of the game when he brought Tinney on with both of them on the pitch. Yeah, no, he, he he did. I don't know if that was aimed at me or Ollie, but you, you know, Tinney was at a more advanced, you know, yes, you know, area, area of the pitch, and you almost wonder if that's just to give him minutes to to keep him sort of involved in an opportunity in a game where the game is gone and just keeping him keeping him happy. Um, what is also looking very strong is Zinchenko and, and Granite Xhaka. The, the two of them yeah. sort of together, there seems a, a real sort of connection there. And, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I, I don't know, Ollie. I, I'm, I don't think, uh, you know, less of less of Tierney, but I guess that's what happens. Sometimes someone comes in and you have to see a, a better version or a better option to make you, you realise what, you know, what you what you could have. Yeah, I it's think it's Tierney, great. It's, it's great. You know, oh, there's yeah. no denying yeah that, you know, last season, the options that we had outside of Tierney just weren't good enough. Well, don't and- forget there was a moment, I know Tavares is gone and we've all watched, you know, all of nothing now, but there was moments last year where he put Tavares ahead of Tierney when he was back and available. So it tells you a little bit maybe about how much, you know, Arteta maybe thought whether there was a another option there. And uh, yeah, they've got him. Tierney- but I mean... yeah. Tierney Ollie is a very old fashioned kind of player, isn't it? To me, like I love him, I absolutely love him, like you. And he was, as as Josh mentioned, when you know, when half the team or half the squad were were kind of a bunch of losers. Let's face it, you know, when he first arrived, he was an absolute breath of fresh air because he was so down to earth and worked so hard. And he's great at marauding forward, and he's a pretty good defender. But he's kind. I feel like Arteta. He's not like I feel like Sinjenko is more the kind of our player Arteta wants in the end in that position because Tierney is such an old fashioned belt and braces kind of player, which he celebrates himself. It's part of his whole image, isn't it? You know, the whole, you know, Tesco bag and the black pants under the white shorts. So almost one of it slightly goes against him a little bit, as far as Alteta is concerned. Yeah. I think you're what you mentioned about what, what fits in with Arteta's system, probably more so Zinchenko, but also I think we, I, and, and many people, I probably will forget, you know, Tierney's probably played about 50% of the games since he's come in, and that's due yeah. to injury. So yeah. when, you're, when your other option, you know, 
previously was Tavares, but Josh rightly mentioned there, there were periods last season when Tavares was getting in ahead of him. Um, it, that's not good enough. But, you know, if Tierney's not fit for 50%, then you've got to have a great option. And to have, you know, two brilliant players vying for one position, and maybe they could even play together, I don't know. That's up to Arteta. Uh, that That's great. But talking about going back to Granit Xhaka as well, he's... There was a song for Granit Xhaka on, on, yes. on Saturday at Bournemouth. And that was the first time that the fans seemed to realise the... I don't want to say the importance of him, but he is he is having a, a great impact on the team at the moment. It's always, you know, you can sw- swipe everything under the carpet a little bit when you're winning. Um, but it is nice to see, you know, everybody just, you know playing to the level that we expect them to and that they can play at. And and Granit Xhaka, you know, for the first three games, he's two assists, a goal, um, you know, linking up very nicely. Um, That's great to see. Oh, I think it's, you're right. And I think, but as Josh alluded to, I think Zinchenko has kind of helped him, hasn't it? Or not not helped him, just they, he seems to be flourishing partly because of this, of this tactical change, the way we play now with Zinchenko in a very, you know, playing quite differently to um, to what he's used to behind him, having left back behind him. And he's, the, yeah, the freedom he's got now to attack. It's almost like, I've seen various pundits and experts talking about how it's, the, the formation was almost like 5-5, five, five, you know, having like a kind of, low block back line um, with with party, you know, and White, Saliba, Gabriel and Sijenko, and then Xhaka ahead of them. It, it was like another front of five, basically attacking most of the time, which is just a complete, it's like a revelation that Xhaka is, is so good in that role. Uh, it's, it, everything's great, right? We're, I'm just yeah. absolutely reveling in it. Is, great. Isn't it a year ago, we were we absolutely polar opposite, played three, lost three, doom and gloom, even though two of those games had been against, you know, the champions of Europe in, in Chelsea at the time and, and Manchester City. And I don't know. You're seeing all the stats about the last time we won our first three games and, um, you know, top of the table. And, you know, it, it makes you think back to those... Don't say it. Don't say it. ...incredible teams of the, Hold you know, on. early 2000s that we had. But the football is as good, isn't it? I mean, maybe we're blinded and we're, you know, there were great periods actually what? under Wenger where Arsenal played very well in the late 2000s, but didn't want to, to win anything. But the football is almost reminiscent of those times where you would go away in 2002, 2003, 2004, and you just felt we're going to win today. We're just so much better and we're playing with such confidence from the word go, we'll just take our chances today because we've got a proper striker up front and some decent players behind him and we're going to be fine today. Like the, you just, I don't know, Ollie. Were you concerned at all going down to Bournemouth? I just thought we, we will win today. We've got such a good team at the minute. No, I wasn't concerned, but you always have that little inkle, inkling at the back of your your mind of you know this is Arsenal, and we've we've seen we've seen them go to Everton last season when Everton hadn't won in like ten, um, you know, and and you know get beat. So you always there's always that worry. Um, I, but I think all football fans have that little worry. You know, within five minutes and you're one nil up, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to go and win this. And it was depends on 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 how many we scored. Yeah. I mean, Jesus's role, I we haven't mentioned that in that first goal. I mean, he doesn't get the assist because of you know, there's a save from the goalkeeper. But that forward play, we just we have not had that in in, in so many years. And 
I don't know. Obviously, results in theory, we've got to say they've gone our way. You know, our competitors are Chelsea. You know, we've seen Chelsea drop points. We've seen Man City lose points. Liverpool, you know, we're recording this before they play Man United on Monday evening. Whatever happens tonight, you know, they've still already dropped their four points. Are you, are you starting to realign what you what? think is possible this season, Boyd? Well, what are you saying? Are you saying you seem to be implying that's what I was saying? Don't say it, don't say it. Don't are you are you saying we're gonna be going for the league, going for winning the league? Is that what you you seem to be hovering around that position that you feel like we can challenge for the to win it this year? No, I, I don't think we can win the league. Right. I don't I don't know. I, no. I don't think we can, although we, if we're putting more is- defensive well, what, 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 well, the odds of us to win the league have have dived, haven't they? Understandably, yeah. In in the first yeah. couple of weeks of the season, we're, we're down to we're as low as nine to one in certain places, and as mm. high as fourteen to one in other places. But we are, you know, third favourites for the league rather than being five fifth favourites. Sorry, a couple of weeks ago, so oh, third yeah. feels, yes. you know, yes, incredibly all achievable. Is, all I'd say is because my official prediction was that we come fifth again. Um, all I'd say is that your point about the contrast between those first two games of last season, this is really is really kind of pertinent because we ended up extraordinarily competing for top four and should have, really. You know, we should have qualified. You for watch, we'll get on to maybe we'll get onto all or nothing later. But I mean, watching those last two episodes, looking at what great position we we're in, to, you know, in the top four, which we fucking threw away disgracefully, really, when you think about it. So my, my point is that as brilliant as we are now with these three wins out of three and all of that, yes, but things can ch- things can end up, you know, we could go through, we're still capable, I think, bottom line, if we have a couple of injuries, which is bound to happen, happens to every team, and, you know, there's a slight, but people, we haven't had anyone score again. We haven't, we haven't gone, we haven't, we're not in, in um, we're winning all these games but we haven't. No one scored against us to start with, and we've had to come back from that. You know, which was our a massive problem last season, wasn't it? We barely ever came back once we went a goal down. It was a disaster. Like the confidence just sapped out of us. So I think that it looks like we've got over that. But who knows? Until you know, until someone scores against us first, until we play. You know, we've got an incredibly in quotes easy start to the season in terms of on paper. You know, Man United maybe. You know, who knows what's going to happen with them? But. What my long-winded answer to your question is, I still think we're just as capable of coming fifth as we are coming third, especially with the tightness of, you know, Spurs, you know, winning, winning again, Chelsea. I know they dipped, but I, I feel like though us, uh, those three teams particularly are all vying for that third, fourth spot. Ollie, are you more optimistic? Do you feel like what we're learning from, the, we should learn from these two games is that actually we could contend I I, I think I think going for the league is a step too far. Um, You know, if we manage to chat for me, you've got to try and get that Champions League. That's what that's the aim. But I think, you know, you look at a lot of what people are saying um, online, you know, oh, look at the three games that we play on paper, you win. But just look at, you know, look at Liverpool, you know, two games against Palace and Fulham and they picked up two points. And so you you just have to win them, and you can't really go. Oh, you've had three easy fixtures. Well, Liverpool had two easy fixtures, and look what they got from them. So the fact that we have got nine that 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 says something about the team. And I know that you mentioned you know two injuries and who do we bring in, but last season it was the two injuries 
we had no one really oh, to bring in. And yeah. now, now it feels like, apart from, I, I'm still worried about central midfield. You know, Xhaka mm. and Party. One of them goes. You know, mm. I don't really want to be in this El Neni situation again. Um, the Congo. Ev- everywhere else, you feel like we're okay. Not so sure about Eddie yet, but he did an all right job last season. But you you feel like you got Smith Rowe, you got Vieira. Not that we've seen him. We have, he could be terrible for all we know. But you'd like to think for thirty million, we got a decent player. And then then the you know when we had Cedric playing and we had Tavares playing, now we got you know Ben White looks more than capable. And now we got you know Zinchenko, Tierney, Saliba. You know not Rob Holding, and that for me gives me that encouragement that if we did have those injuries like we had at the back end of last season, that we're going to be in a much better place because you've got three really good centre-backs instead of two really good centre-backs. You've got really good full-backs instead of just two really good full-backs. So that gives me the confidence that I think, you know, third or fourth, but, you know, Chelsea, they could go and buy whoever they want in the next 10 days. Man United, you know, you've got to worry about who they who they might get, you know, it's a bit reminds me of when we lost eight, two to them. And then mm. there was a big trolley dash for Mertesacker, Arteta, Benayoun, and we managed to scrape forth. I still, I, you know, Man United are terrible. There's no denying that, but they can still bring in world-class players that might, might make them challenge. Yeah, I, th- I agree. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about this and many other things. We'll talk about all or nothing, maybe and um, possible transfer coming up before the deadline, etc., etc. See you after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. Um, I, actually, your point that you made earlier um about the um about the fact that we've got we've we've we, the whole team's been transformed by Jesus basically Josh hasn't it like I think that's all the Ollie went through all of the plus points of our better squad the ways in which our squad's better which I agree with but I'm the one that's really bowled me over is Jesus totally built bowled over by Jesus and so the, his amazing runs and his control and his like it's like I said on, on in our chat group in our in our Arsenal chat group I was like he would sign one of the best players in the world like you know it's, it, he, he seems to be at that level of where of complete magic which I don't remember seeing particularly I remember him being a very you know a really good Man City player and would and was very reliable and whenever um, he was played by Pep and when he was brought on as a sub by Pep he would do what needed to be done but I don't ever remember him being this like skillful and. And just like brilliant on the ball and just incredibly creative. I just don't remember him being that player. I just think confidence is is huge. And he knows he is absolutely everything to our striking intent. In every game, he's pretty much going to play. I don't really want to see him have a minute of Europa League. I hope he's not even taken away and sat on the bench. Keep him at home, warm, 
and he will take him. He will take for him. the Premier League. I know. I don't. Mm, I really hope he, he won't. Will. Like, what's the point in those Europa League games? Sure, you know that that's a, a night for Eddie and Kettier and, and others. I I just think he is he's going to be so vital. I've been so impressed by his strength and and his you know, ability to really complete. There were moments against against Leicester, I think one of the opportunities where it was it Johnny Evans, he, he bullied and, you know, went through and probably should have had his hat trick that day. And then even for the for the first goal, I think he was up against the uh the the Bournemouth debutant Senezi, is it is that right, Ollie? Who he absolutely bullied, you know, went up for the header and he, the balls come down and he, he ended yeah. up, you know, dancing around loads of players. But the physicality he's got for not a huge unit also offers you something else because that you know that ball from Ben White was just a bit of a crap ball really lumped into a certain area of the pitch where you would normally just look at that and go that's for a centre back to deal with and push out so for him to show the strength to to win that and then like his trickery with his feet it's it's amazing I mean it, it does draw you know we can't compare anyone to Henri right the greatest Premier League player possibly of all time certainly Arsenal I think Arsenal's best player would probably all say or, or thereabouts but the, well, I think, the I way think he's Carragher, dancing and gliding yeah. past people yeah is resemblant of that and yeah. just yeah. moments I, I I couldn't go to the game I was watching it obviously on Sky just sitting there watching it, it it was almost flashbacks to just how it was as I said earlier in those that 2002 2004 period where we went away from home and we're just killing games off in the first half with such authority. And I don't know. That's why you do sort of pause and you just think, are we mad for thinking we might be in a title race? Like, are we just going to go and get humbled at every away ground, you know, every away ground of the big six that we, you know, generally struggle at or have largely struggled at in recent years? I don't know. You just like to think not. How long can we keep this run going? We beat Fulham, we beat Villa, and we're five out of five and don't know what situation United are going to be in. Can we go six out of six? And then at what point do you go, well, we we might have a chance. I guess Tottenham were three out of three at this point last year as well, right? And yeah. then they lost three out of three. So yeah. I said the big we'll remain got, humble. We'll remain humble. We'll remain, but I think but um I think the Thierry Omri comparison, because Jamie Carragher did that comparison, I think, last week. Um, you know, just just in the way he looks, the way he yeah, the way he looks like people just cannot get the ball off him, and he dances around people. All, all of that is 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 just astonishing, really. It, I mean, you know, it already looks like our our transfer window looks absolutely brilliant right now, doesn't it? I mean, put it you know in terms of Shinchenko, him. Um, I see we get to see Vieira, but he was on the bench. But by all accounts, you know, he played brilliantly in the in the game he played last week for the under whatever it is twenty ones or whatever. So. I mean, what's interesting is I think I'm, I'm I, I said this a little I alluded to this a bit last week, but I'm now worried about Emil Smith Rowe, right? Especially because we're now we've been linked today with Neto at Wolves, Ornstein, Ornstein, yeah, Ornstein. Josh's Josh's grimacing. I don't know whether like at the at the reliability of that rumor, but Ornstein no, said I mean, he's the number David one target. Ornstein, of course, yeah. a, a real authority. Yeah, it's fact um, basically. So apparently we're in talks for, to get him, 22-year-old winger. But I feel like... But is that just... I, I mean, Pepe is is on yeah, the absolute Pepe's, edge, right? Yes. That hasn't gone through quite yet, has it? No. Um, and as soon as that is gone, then there is obviously a, you know, a yeah, role a in, the, player, yeah. in, the, in the squad. So it makes sense. But I mean, Arsenal have spent a lot of money and there was an excellent Swiss Ramble thread yes. this morning. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, it, I did, it's, yeah. 
fairly detailed and people should go look at it. But, you know, there is an element here of, of potentially Arsenal spending their money while they can and while they can bring in the sort of COVID element into their financial results so they can get away with spending now. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I guess it makes sense if uh, if Pepe is out that there's, you know, a player to get there. But you're worried about Smith-Rowe's opportunities, but... Uh, just, you know, I know it's silly in a way because I just love it. I just think he was such a transformative player for us, you know, 18 months ago, however long it was. Um, and I feel like the way we're playing now in this new kind of, in slightly different formation, a kind of variation on the 4-2-3-1 or whatever you want to call it, that he seems that, 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 you know, and also the fact that our captain Odegaard is in the middle of that front formation, which I think is Smith Rowe's best position. But yeah, he, he was playing basically, it seems to be Smith Rowe's now competing, you know, out wide with Martinelli, who's had a really good start to the season, to be fair. So I don't know, he brought Odegaard on. I just, I just worry that A, the formation isn't suited necessarily that much. And Arteta clearly prefers Martinelli and Odegaard to him in whichever position you think he is. And then if Neto comes in as another wide option, as you say, probably replacing Pepe. Again, it feels like Emil Smith-Rowe's chances might be more confined to Europe and the cup competitions, Ollie. Yeah, I think that we have to look at, you know, Smith-Rowe is slightly on the sort of tierney scale of injuries and you never quite know whether he's got a little niggle and how long he's going to be out for. And I think it's all about squad management, really. And I think that's what Arteta's looking at. And I don't think there's necessarily a, I prefer one player over the other. I just think it's just looking at, you know, the fitness, looking at the games coming up. Because, you know, for me, you, you've got um, you've got three games coming up in the space of uh, eight days, Fulham, Villa and Man United. We can't play the same team. Um, you know, we've played the same team three three games in a row. We can't continue that for, for six games in a row. And I think you've got, you look at Fulham, you look at Villa, then that's when you start bringing in don't tinker with it too much, you know, one or two changes max. But I think that's when you 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 need those opportunities for Smith Rowe. But he's just, he's been unfortunate with injuries. And, you know, just like, you know, what we mentioned with Tierney, you know, if you're injured and someone comes in and, and is doing a good yeah. job or a potentially better job, then it's difficult to go and get your place back. And you are right. He was a breath of fresh air. Came in in that Chelsea game when Arteta was in a dreadful run of form and, transformed the club for the last really 18 months and he was he was the start of that and you know in the middle of last season he was scoring goals for fun you know it's not not every team has a 10 goal a season midfielder and and we had that with him mm. and and it, you know whether it's him martinelli whether odegaard might 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 rest and he plays that central role you know that's for the manager to decide but again it's just about those options and you know, we've got six extra games that we didn't have last season. And as long as the players are getting the minutes, um, keeping up that confidence, he'll, his, you know, his moments will come. Martinelli might, you know, have a two or three game run without doing much. And he, you know, needs a bit of a break. And, you know, Smith Rowe can come in. He's, I was amazed how, how well he's done over the last 18 months, yeah. um, Smith Rowe. I never expected... I never expected him to do what he's doing. And he just needs to just get rid of this injury problems that he has. He seems to sort of come in and then it mm. just sets him back a couple of weeks. So maybe we just need to be patient. Yeah, it's a good point about injuries. Yeah, it's true. Because I think managers do get, you know, they're, they're naturally drawn to players who aren't don't get injured a lot, aren't they? And, and the, you know, the ones that are, feel like reliable 
always fit. I mean, there are just certain players that just seem weak. In, like, you know, Saka. Saka, like, plays every, every single fucking game. Gets I can't believe he was still on the pitch on, I know. on Saturday. Right. I was like, get him off. I know, but he, he he always plays him, always plays him for practically the entirety of every game. He always is one of the most foul players in the league. Never, ever gets injured. It's kind of, like, absolutely ridiculous. Um, let's move on to... Did you Have you watched All or Nothing? Have you watched the whole thing, Ollie? No, I no, haven't. I, I've, I've watched three episodes, and, okay. and I'm going to be honest. I, I just the the way the season ended, it just I don't really want to be reminded of what what happened at mm. Spurs and Newcastle. So I've not really been um, not really been watching it as you know when they you know three episodes come out. I'm, I'm on it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. To I I've just. Obama Yang hasn't been stripped of the captaincy yet is where I'm up to. Oh. Um, and I don't know if I can take watching the the, the last two episodes, but I'll, I'll have to, won't I? So, Yeah, you everyone will watch it. And uh, I've got one episode to go, which uh, I'll get to in the, ne- in the next day or two. What I sense, Boyd, I'd be interested in, in your take on it. I don't feel like it's been an embarrassment in any way. I don't think we've been like... There was a, a period where I think Arsenal were banter FC for the last couple of years. And we were, you know, the laughing stock. And for, for various reasons, you know, people, I think, enjoyed taking the, the mick out of Arsenal. I think there has been, you know, enough people who are fans of other clubs, friends friends of mine, I'm sure friends of yours, boy, who support other clubs, who, who have been watching it and thought, actually, all right, I, you know, I can see what Arteta's trying to do and... Even other people in the club have come across well, and the players have come across pretty likable. But that, you know, that's to be expected. But I, I think there really have been great moments. I think a lot was made out of the fact that the training ground fight, which which we see is is not um, was not in the public domain, and maybe there was so much unrest in the squad previously that everything potentially negative or divisive would have got out. So I think that shows lack of that. It was like a Cedric. Cedric, yeah. yeah. Cedric. So that shows a, a real level of, of of unity, perhaps, that Arteta is building. And you get the feeling that he's kind of got the respect of his players and whether you feel rightly or wrongly on what happened with uh, Aubameyang, they took decisive action and and went with it, um, which might be a bit more, guard, uh, you know, a bit more mm. uh, hard to stomach if he turns up at Stamford Bridge before the end of his window and back at... Arsenal scoring oh God, goals yeah. against us, it'd be horrible. I don't want that. What, what was your that. overall take on it, Boyd? Um, having... I think it was much I think I think they did a did a really good job. And I I have watched the whole thing and, and I was funny, I was with a Spurs fan yesterday at an event I was taking part in. A, a, a TV um scriptwriter who's a massive Spurs fan, and he, he said he watched it and um like that final episode for him was one of the you know one of great joy, <laughs> obviously. And um because I was like, I didn't I'm not gonna watch the Tottenham all or nothing, but he did watch our one. He was fascinating. He was, you know, said, you know, Spurs fans are taking the piss out of Arteta and his drawings, his brain, heart drawing, and you know the uh, the light bulb. There's a light bulb usage um, sequence that is quite funny. There is there is that David Brent element to him. But you know what? In the end, I've been I've been all the way through. I think the whole thing is a, is about him, really. Like you know, obviously it's a, it, loads, the Obama Yang episodes. Um, Ollie are, are the best episodes. They are fascinating because they really show. 
what happened behind the scenes with Arteta and his game. Like Josh doesn't agree, but I think they're fascinating. But the real, the, the the through line of the whole thing is Arteta, and I in the end, even though there are excruciating moments that are borderline embarrassing, he's losing his voice. You know when he, he's so passionate. And he does. Have, he uses the word energy, and he uses these are his his his, his, his the word, his favorite words. That he he says every single time he's talking to the team: passion, heart, energy. He's got all those things, and he is. And in the end, I think actually you'd rather have him and his slightly odd, borderline cheesy team talks, massive passion, and enthusiasm. Van say, I don't know. I can imagine you know some of our more recent attempts at having managers. They must have been, by in contrast, like soporific, like quite quite dull, boring, and difficult to understand what the fuck they were going on about. I'm thinking of Eli Emery particularly. Um, I'd love to see some behind the scenes footage of Eli Emery team talks. I'm sure they're absolutely 100% different to to what um, Arteta was doing. So I think he does manage to rouse the team, especially the youngsters. Like I think he really has that connection with, you know, the young, still the youngest team, youngest squad in the Premier League. And it feels like he's kind of, right now, I, you know, and I, it's taken me like his whole his whole stint as Arsenal manager to say this, but I feel like he is probably the best man for the job right now. Not only based on where, how we're playing at the moment, he's got us playing brilliant attacking football, but I think his personality really suits this squad, Josh. I agree with pretty much everything you, you've said. I think the, the real story is our tester and what size you you fall on of thinking that you know he's to David Brent and there are moments there where you wonder if some of the players were going with it. I mentioned on the last podcast we see a Bamiang, you know, reference the rubbing of his hands after a after a victory where you suspect and there are a few players laughing and it was interesting that yeah. that was sort of left in. Um, but I, I think you're entirely right. I mean, I, for me, well, apart from Ramsdale's dad, who gets you know a lot of credit for the uh, the first episode, Carlos yeah, Cuesta, yeah. I think, is a really interesting um, you know character as a, as such a young young coach. I think he's he's sort of only just turned uh, 27, so he's the age of all these players. He speaks six languages. He's got a pro license, and it's clever, isn't it, to have someone so young, so in in tune with what other sort of youngsters might, might be thinking. And he's given such responsibility. Clearly he is one of the assistant managers. He's not, you know, an, in, an intern oh, yeah. or yeah. the youngster there. He's well, really he has given a one-on-one, a... doesn't he? In, uh, in the early in the series, who's he have a one-on-one with? I can't, one of the players, is it? Yeah. And, and it's quite, it feel, it's a bit awkward. I mean, all those one-on-ones are really awkward by the way, because the player's being told in no uncertain terms what their flaws are by whichever coach is telling them, you know, those scenes, and um, they almost yes. always feel very kind of slightly like shocked to be challenged in any way whatsoever, <laughs> especially by hit by that young by him, yeah, at twenty seven years old. Was it Tavares? I feel maybe yeah, they maybe Carlos with Tavares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, he's, you know, look, I've loved it. Incredible insight in a way that we we didn't yeah. get. I wonder if sometimes the the actual football match footage wasn't quite as dramatic as. Maybe I've seen in other sort of football documentaries the way that they've shown it, but overall, you know, I've I've really enjoyed it, and yeah, I need to watch the uh, the last episode. You can do it, You can watch. You can make it. I know what you mean, though. We're, we're on such a high right now to kind of be reminded of the dark days of the end of last season. I, I think but, I was all, always a little bit concerned about how uh, is it eight episodes? Oh, yeah. How, yeah. How they would how they would come across and. I think I've been more enthused 
listening and reading to how other people are taking to it because it does seem that it comes across as well you you got these clips just before the first episode that the, the you know you got the the liverpool you'll never walk alone and you're like oh god like how how mm. how's this yeah. how are they going to make this out to be good yeah um and then you've just got a lot of people just coming out and just being like right i'm 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 on fully backing i'm on, on the arteta train and you know i'm trusting this process and for me the back end of last year when they gave him that contract i was very much for it i thought it was the yeah. right call the right decision and a lot of people were like no if he doesn't get us forty, you know he's not good enough he's got to go but i think all those sort of doubters not and i don't think there was a you know there were some that might have been very much on the fence who weren't quite sure they're now very much on this yeah, I was togetherness on yeah. and, and i actually think that the, the Leicester game and the all or nothing from, as I said, I spoke to a lot of people, that had a, that had a big part to play in the atmosphere. I think everyone is just, it has united the fan base because those who were very much not, you know, as I said, on the fence or, or wasn't really backing our tent, they now are. And that, the, the fan base just feels united. Yeah. yeah. Um, not, you know, obviously the signings help um, and the start to the season, you know, with the Tuna win over Palace. But you you mentioned those three episodes, the the Obama Yang stuff, um, and that came out just before Leicester, and everyone yeah. was you know oh yeah I was talking to you have you seen it yeah oh it's really good you know the Obama Yang stuff I was I didn't like the way it was dealt with at the time but now I see it and I'm just I'm just on board and I think that resonated with everybody in the stadium who had watched it and I you know there's goodwill at the moment and we need to continue that and I do yeah. think and I was worried about. How, how everyone would perceive it but it, it's good it's it's positive and you know long may it continue 100 percent. yeah yeah i think i think the club must be thrilled with with how it's gone considering everything you know considering people taking the piss out of it etc um unfortunately i've got to go to crystal palace uh, in a minute so we need to move on to the most important part of the podcast obviously predictions um saturday 5 30 kickoff against fulham am i right at home you are 100 yes. percent correct <laughs> Plenty of time for you to find one of your eateries around Islington uh, ahead of the game. I suspect and feel we're, we're going to win uh, win the game. I I don't know. I've just been so impressed with with how we've done. Fulham have you know equally you know they'll be buzzing off their late late win. They've scored goals since they've came up. So I'm I'm going to go three one Arsenal. Ollie. Ollie? Yeah, I, I think we'll get. A lot of goals. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go four one. Oh, four I was one. gonna go. I'm gonna go four two. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a goal fest as well. Um, might see some defensive powers, but we'll see. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think we've. I think we've covered it. Uh, thank you so much to Ollie. Ollie Shorts. Thank Thanks you for having Josh. me. Always pleasure as always. And we'll be back uh, next week. Hopefully, the run will continue. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.